Good afternoon and welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown. Thank you very much for tuning in this fine Wednesday afternoon. My name is Tom Hollingsworth and uh, happy dessert day to everyone out there who might be enjoying their favorite dessert, whether it be uh, creme brulee or tiramisu. Um, I'm very happy to be joined today by the chip media darling, Mr. Stephen Foskett. Stephen, thank you for joining us on the rundown. Welcome to the show. It's very good to be here. Very good to be here. I was going to do karaoke, but I figure I'll do rundown instead. Well, you know what? We can absolutely have a uh, rundown karaoke follow-up show. I think that would actually be really interesting. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what we can come up with. Uh, however, we're going to start off with our other favorite segment, which is news or not. These are stories which may not necessarily have all of the uh, the discussion potential that you might want out of something, but hey, they made the news, so we might as well talk about them, right? Um, the first one is going to be uh, a little bit of a story about Apple. So uh, blogger Sam Curry disclosed that he and a team of four other hackers have been attacking Apple for the last three months. Now, before you freak out, don't worry, because this team is wearing the widest of hats, and they have been doing this with the full support and disclosure of Apple. Uh, the group turned in 55 vulnerabilities in those three months, 11 of which were rated as super critical. Now, the nice thing is, is that because the, the hackers were working with Apple, they were able to get these things disclosed in one or two days um, and ended up paying the team around $288,000, which is a fair sum and uh, completely complied with all of Apple's bug bounty stuff. Uh, Stephen, hacking Apple for fun and profit, is this news or not? This is cool. Uh, no, it's news. I think it's cool. Honestly, I, th I have to say everybody handled this so great. The team, um, you know, they, they saw Apple's bug bounty and they said, yeah, we could do that. And then they did. And um, not only that, but they, uh, you know, they reported things properly. And the coolest aspect of the story is that Apple's reaction was awesome. Let's fix that. And instead of like, you know, trying to, you know, whatever, you know, Apple, not only did they, you know, run out, they fixed it. They put the people in contact with the right people to get things done. And they paid out. They paid out more. In fact, they haven't even done, they're not even done paying this out. Apple's going to make it rain. They're going to get even more money. So I, I think this is awesome. I love this story. And I'm really glad that, they, that uh, some of these vulnerabilities are fixed. Because one of them uh, sounds pretty, pretty horrible, which is basically kind of a, um, like a poison pen email that uh, hacks into your iCloud account uh, when you click on it. it. It's just like, ooh, that's bad. But um, fixed. I think it's 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 a great thing for uh, people, and it, honestly, you you kind of work within the bounds of the rules, and you get paid for it. Exactly, exactly. So, Tom, um, Cisco's jumping into the uh, container security game uh, by acquiring PortShift, uh, which is the latest company to have the word port in their name. If you'll remember, we just talked about Pure Storage acquiring, acquiring PortWorks. Uh, no relation. Um, this deal uh, for the Israeli company is, uh, was announced on October 1st, and it will bring their team at the Cisco Fold to provide uh, cloud security services and uh, technology. Uh, financial terms are not disclosed, uh, which usually means that it was small enough that it doesn't matter to Cisco's investors. Um, Tom, uh, you know this stuff. You run Security Field Day. You run Networking Field Day. Is this news? I think this is news because Cisco has been trying for a long time to get away from infrastructure devices that they consider to be legacy. Um, containers are the new hotness. And if you're going to play in the cloud space, you better have something that you can do with containers. Historically, they've tried to partner with Google. Um, you probably have heard about Anthos at some of our Tech Field Day Extra events that we held at Cisco Live. 
Cisco's branching out though. Um, this is still container security, so it's probably still Kubernetes focused. But I think that Cisco's not putting all of their eggs into the K8s basket. I think they want to have some kind of agnostic solution that will allow them to play in the cloud space. Um, now, the fact that neither you or I had heard of PortShift before this acquisition tells me that this pretty much was a talent acquisition. So I don't expect to see some kind of major big business unit. I expect to see this uh, folded into a cloud and compute business unit, and these guys go on to lead happy, productive lives as Cisco distinguished engineers in the future. Yep, and Cisco has the the you know money and the market presence to make whatever it is that they were doing um, a big story. And uh, and honestly, that's good. We need more security. Yeah. Well, Stephen, we've talked a lot on the rundown uh, about NVIDIA's acquisition of ARM, and uh, there's been a, a variety of opinions about that. But uh, guess who's not excited about the NVIDIA acquisition of ARM? Well, Everyone? Uh, that would be ARM co-founder Herman Hauser. Um, he made a statement to the British House of Commons last week, and he suggested that the sale of ARM to the U.S.-based company would pretty much end their neutrality in uh, the semiconductor market. And he even went as far as to say that it could create a quasi-monopoly in chipset manufacturing based in the U.S., which could be a huge problem. Now, Hauser's pretty much gone on record as being the anti-fan of this deal. He has suggested that governments need to get involved to block it. And if that doesn't work, he has created some kind of crazy indefinite legal restrictions about job offshoring and things like that that is designed to make this deal look completely unappealing to NVIDIA. Um, Stephen, the ghosts of ARM's past seem to be rallying to keep it out of NVIDIA's hands. Do you feel like this is news? I I'm actually going to go with Ghost of Christmas Future on this one, Tom. Uh, for one thing, I still don't believe that NVIDIA is going to get ARM, but I don't think that it has anything to do with Hauser, um, just like Total Recall. I think that what's going to happen instead is that the uh, the China is going to end up blocking this deal or just sitting on this deal until NVIDIA gets tired of waiting. And NVIDIA is going to end up just walking away with an, as another ARM licensee and something else will happen. Um, this this uh, story, though, is kind of interesting because... Um, you know, if you look closely, he's not actually maybe all that upset about NVIDIA buying ARM as he as much as he is um, trying to protect UK interests. And if you look at this, his suggestion is that basically the UK government buy ARM using pension fund money and that they keep a, a share, like a 51% share of the company in order to keep it, um, you know, home in uh, on the island. Um, I think that that's the real story here is not that he's necessarily worried about, you know, um, Monopoly and NVIDIA and China and all this kind of stuff. I think this is a case of somebody who is really proud of his country, proud of his countrymen, proud of his workers and trying to maintain British ownership of this British asset, which frankly is uh, the story for the last, what, 400 years of UK uh, history. So, yeah, I think that's the story, really. And um, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but um, NVIDIA is not going to buy ARM. Well, uh, well, we'll see if your Oracle Sage likeness uh, bears out. I, I have my reservations as well. So. Uh, so, Tom, there was another security story this year, this uh, week that I want to talk to you about. Um, so uh, everyone knows that there's an election coming up. I think you might have heard that here in the U.S. There's a big, big election coming up. A lot of people are voting, um, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, but not in Virginia, because in Virginia, the voter registration system got knocked out when somebody cut a cable, a roadside construction crew 
uh, cut the Viber, the Verizon fiber connection to the data center. And uh, oops. Uh, so Tom, uh, Tuesday was the final day to register uh, to vote and the system was down. Um, government services going down at the height of an uh, election, not just any election, but like the election. Um, is this news? Oh, I think it's news, but but for a variety of different reasons. And by the way, Stephen, in my scouting backpack, I keep a one foot length of fiber so that if I ever get lost, all I have to do is bury it. And within an hour, a backhoe will come to cut it in half. It's Very like smart. Easiest way to, to not get lost. So here's the reason why I think it's news. Never attribute to malice that which can be attributed to stupidity, Hanlon's razor. People are going to cut cables. It happens. What made this news was the fact that within an hour of this disclosure, suddenly everyone's like, oh, it must be a Russian DDoS. Oh, it has to be the other side messing with the voter registration database. And it took about another two hours before people were like, oops, the county cut a cable in half. We are so amped up about election security right now that every corner, every around every voting booth is some kind of a boogeyman. And this was just a registration issue. And the fact that it knocked out other government services should have been your first key that it may not necessarily be a targeted attack. We're going to have to start taking all of these security stories with a grain of salt. Um, we've already talked uh, a little bit in the past about some of the, the hijinks that have been going on between uh, botnet operators and other companies. When you see this news pop up, please, before you amplify anything related to it, do a little research, find a couple of stories, figure out what the real truth behind it is. Because if you start amplifying, oh, it has to be a Russian DDoS attack, we're going to be in a world of hurt really quickly. Absolutely. Um, and, and the thing is, too, there's, there's so many bogus stories out there every single day about the election. Uh, the last thing we need is another one. Yep, cable got cut. Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to move on to our set of main stories because there's a big, a couple of big ones we want to talk about. But I think the biggest one that we want to talk about is the news from IBM. So right after the rundown published last week, um, IBM announced that they are going to split off their professional services division into a completely separate company. Um, IBM is supposedly shedding weight because they want to focus on that trillion dollar hybrid cloud and AI opportunity uh, that they've really been trumpeting. And in fact, if you look at the press release, that's all over it. It's like the third paragraph in they're talking about it. Uh, the professional services division will get a new name. Uh, right now, we're just calling it NewCo. Uh, and they will be publicly listed, although I have no doubts that they're probably going to get picked up somewhere along the way. Um, now, the funny thing about this, though, is that Jenny Romady, who was the former CEO of IBM, was a huge champion of the professional services division. In fact, it was their it was their prize uh, of, the, of the whole thing, and they were using it for a long time to kind of help boost revenues. Uh, this move, though, does seem to indicate that when the Red Hat acquisition happened, really what it was was Red Hat clearing out all the old cruft inside of IBM and kind of focusing on the new revenue models. Um, they're trying to turn that ship. I don't, I don't know how that's going to happen. And it is kind of unclear right now what exactly is going to go with the other professional services division, what IBM is keeping, and how this is all going to work out. Now, Stephen, you were the one that brought the story up as soon as it broke, and you were super excited. I think there were exclamation points in your, in your post. Is the shedding of the professional services division of IBM kind of, this is what we need to do and move on? Or is this a real big warning sign to investors that this revenue stream is going to be drying up very soon? Well, well, first, I will just say I'm not an investment analyst, but I imagine investors are going to love this story because, you know, they're talking about, um, you know, anytime, anytime you got a spinoff of assets, I mean, that's just, uh, 
you know, that's just stake on the plate of these investors. So they are going to make money on this deal and they're going to make a lot of money on this deal. Um, yeah, it's not exactly sure or clear ex what, what parts are going to go into Nuco, what parts are going to be into IBM. Um, but what is clear is Red Hat is eating IBM. And that's what Red Hat was hired to do. Uh, when, I, when IBM bought Red Hat, what was the story? The story was Red Hat is going to transform IBM into the next iteration of the company. And I think that the most important thing to keep in mind here is that IBM has transformed the company repeatedly. In fact, that's a cultural thing. There was an old song of IBMers talking about transformation of the company in like the 1930s. I mean, this is a company that has rebirthed and transformed itself so many times that it has been added and removed from the Dow like six times. IBM is going to do what IBM does. And what IBM is going to do right now is become Red Hat. Um, this won't be the last time. And I think that this is a great move. I am loving this because the Red Hat people are sharp. They've got a great business model. They've got a wonderful set of products. Um, IBM is so, so smart to do this because think about it. Every time you know you see a big company acquire a smaller company, what happens? Um, you know, Initially, there's this burst of enthusiasm. And then pretty quickly, everybody starts realizing, oh, wait, um, my job's going to be on the line if uh, this thing succeeds. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get out the old chainsaw and cut him off at the knees and see how, how, how well he does after that. Well, guess what? That ain't going to happen at IBM. If you are worried about the IBM acquisition of Red Hat, if you are worried about like Red Hat getting IBMized, or if you are worried about them getting lost or all that stuff getting, forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it. Forget it. IBM is going to roll with this. And I'm really, really super excited about it. Um, also super excited because I know a bunch of the folks over at Red Hat. We did a special event with Red Hat earlier with uh, this year uh, with over at the Tech Field Day side. Um, they presented some awesome, awesome stuff. And since then, my very good friend Stu Miniman has gone over there as well. So uh, way to go, Stu. Uh, you really, really made a good choice. I'm, I'm just psyched. But Tom, I know that you may have a slightly different opinion since, full disclosure, you worked at IBM. I was. I was an IBMer for about six months. And I will tell you that one of the common refrains that I heard around IBM for many years and, and many years after the fact is, well, this isn't Tom Watson's IBM. I mean, back in the day, Tom was revered as the, the man. And the funny thing about that is the division of IBM that I worked for, IBM Global Services, is kind of what IBM became. When you look at even just the last 15 years, they've sold off pretty much anything that has blinking lights on it. The only thing they kept really was the AS400 division, which was another big cash cow. Uh, all of that stuff went to Lenovo or it got spun out into other places. So this to me is just kind of the last act of getting rid of what is left of Tom Watson's IBM. I'm sad, but I also understand that the behemoth that was IBM can't exist in today's culture. You have to be able to be small, move fast, focus on new uh, new revenue opportunities. And the idea of IBM becoming a cloud and AI giant, while ludicrous in 2001, is what IBM needs to do because the company that they were would be a long dead husk in today's society. Yeah. And frankly, um, I think they've got a good chance of doing it. Um, I think this is a great move. Um, as I said, maybe you caught that earlier. Um, 
Hey, Tom, uh, let's uh, look back at Apple and security and stuff too. There was another amazing story um, with an amazing image associated with it. Anyway, um, Apple uh, has been talking about the T2 security processor um, as the future of secure computing. Uh, T2, if you don't know, is basically uh, what they call a secure enclave. It is a, um, a secure uh, computer within your computer that runs uh, basically a lot of the low-level stuff, encryption, storage, you know, the boot process, and make sure that everything is secure. Um, or so we thought. Uh, this week, hackers were able to expose a big vulnerability in the chip that allowed them to access it. Ironically, uh, the exploit used to jailbreak the T2 is the same one that has been used to jailbreak iOS devices in the past few years. Uh, right now, researchers are trying to explore the functions of the T2 chip and document its capabilities. But once the genie is out of the bottle, you can bet that malicious crews won't be far behind. Tom, is the T2 exploit just another example of bad design, or is this going to be a big problem for Apple? Man, I, here, here's my, my take on it. First of all, the jailbreak that they used was for all the iPhones that were built before 2017. So if you ever used Lime Rain to jailbreak your old iPhone 5 or iPhone 6, Lime Rain has been updated to jailbreak your T2. So like you can run Linux on that thing. Uh, someone has a POC of them running Doom on a, on a MacBook's touch bar, which by the way, awesome. Here's the problem. You're going to find bugs in a chip. That, that's a given. It, it like if you attack something enough, like we had the Apple story earlier. Apple, which is considered one of the more secure companies out there, still they found a whole bunch of bugs. And the good news is they could patch them because they're all in software. This is a hardware bug. You can't patch this. In order for them to patch Lime Rain out of existence on iPhones, it took like four revisions of chips because those things are already in the pipeline. And that's kind of why T2 got affected by this. When you think about T2, it launched what a couple of years ago. That chip had been pipelined for a long time and you can't stop that. So T3 probably won't be able to be jailbroken. But here's the problem, as you mentioned, it's not that it's a chip. It's not a graphics processor. It's not that. They routed so many security functions through this thing. You know, if you're using File Vault, T2's involved. If you are using Touch ID on your Mac, T2's involved. If you are doing anything that has any kind of security pass through, it touches T2. No big deal, right? Big deal if I can figure out how to get into the T2 and do some funkiness with it so that like the next time you have an encrypted disk read or write that goes through T2, if I can find a way to decrypt that and sniff it and then recrypt it on the way out, I can have a pipeline into your system and you'd never even know it. That ultimately is going to be the problem. So Apple really only has two choices at this point. They can sunset using T2 to accelerate all this stuff. That's going to suck because your performance is going to hit the toilet. They can architect around it by saying either we're going to, you know, we're going to invalidate that and we're going to move on to a different thing. Or they can stop relying on hardware to do security acceleration or at least rely on hardware that you can remove and replace as needed. Because if this happens in the T3 or whatever the next processor is and people are able to jailbreak it, you can better believe there's going to be a whole lot of crap going on that nobody wants to deal with. Yeah, this really does remind me of uh, all the uh, Intel uh, speculative execution uh, exploits that came out a few years back in that, um, you know, they're, they're theoretically unfixable. Now, that's only in theory. And Intel obviously found out, found ways of patching all the spectra and all that. But, um, you know, truth be told, the systems have never been the same. They've never been, you know, it, it hurt performance, it hurt functionality, it hurt a lot of things. And it also, it, you know, it hurt trust. And I think that that's the biggest problem here. Um, let's just remind you, like, what runs through T2, just to make sure we're clear. It's not just a coprocessor. 
all storage access on all modern Macs runs through the T2. The, the, the microphone, the webcam runs through the T2. The little green light that comes on when the webcam is in use that lets you know that the webcam is in use, that's secure because the T2 makes it secure. So by hacking this, you can turn off that green light, which is never supposed to be turned off. You know, you can intercept all I.O. to the storage system, which is basically everything valuable on one of these systems if you can exploit the T2. Um, you can also play Doom on the touch bar. You can have the Linux console on the touch bar. Anyway, it's it's amazing. I think Apple's going to figure out a way around this. Um, I can't imagine that all the Macs that have been produced in the last five years are going to go in the bin. But um, wow, what a big deal. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I I don't know what this is going to lead to for Apple, but hopefully it's for better news because you don't want to you don't want to have a whole bunch of people running around with access like that to your subsystems. All right, um, the wheel of acquisitions for 2020 has finally landed on Xilinx. Um, AMD is rumored to be in talks to acquire the company for 30 billion dollars. That's billion with a B. Uh, the chip market has been consolidating for quite a while. And if you're a longtime listener of the Gestalt IT rundown, you know that we've talked a lot about a lot of companies, uh, you know, Broadcom, um, you know, NXP, all of those companies. It's just it, it, it's a never ending cycle of who are we going to buy next? Uh, the deal would add some programmable AI chips and some 5G base station uh, intellectual property and marry it to AMD's massive chip making engine and, and amd has been ramping up the uh turns out that when you send a whole bunch of people home for a pandemic uh you kind of have to ramp your 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 fabs and so people have been buying technology left and right and amd has been using it to capitalize and close the gap that they have had with uh, other chipset manufacturers now here's the the interesting part to me xilinx has kind of been in a tough spot for the last year because one of their largest customers was huawei and they got put on the no-no list by the u.s government so that may have led to some situations where there's possibly some acquisition talks. However, a lot of the smart money, I'll use the quotey fingers, is saying Xilinx is not really in a position that they want to be bought, and they're going to fight this tooth and nail. Now, Stephen, when we brought this story up, you immediately commented with, I have a negative outlook on this. I want you to talk a little bit about why. Yeah. Well, let me just say, um, I don't want to sound like a broken record after talking about NVIDIA plus ARM. But I do not believe that this acquisition is going to happen. Let me just say that right off the bat. This, this acquisition makes very little sense. It, um, you know, AMD is talking about spending massive money on a product that doesn't seem to fit really all that well with the rest of AMD's line. This is not a deal that's going to um, add you know, massive new revenue. It's not a deal that's going to open up new customers or new markets. Um, you know, frankly, Intel has been struggling. Um, well, just uh, for context, Xilinx is the FPGA company. They invented the FPGA. And FPGAs are super cool. So let me just tell you what they are. It's basically programmable silicon. Imagine if Apple had implemented the T2 as an FPGA. They could literally download an entire new chip to the chip, and the chip would run it. FPGAs are awesome. They're good for prototyping. They're good for flexibility. Intel puts them in networking cards. I mean, they're really neat, neat things. But that being said, are they $30 billion in AMD's pocket neat? I don't think so. Now, I'm going to go again. I'm going to take another crazy step here. And I'm going to say, I think that this announcement or leak, because it's not an official announcement, I think this leak probably came as news to 
AMD. Because I don't doubt that AMD was talking to Xilinx. I, in fact, I don't doubt that AMD is talking to everyone. I mean, you got to believe that AMD has been talking to SoftBank about buying ARM. AMD has probably been talking to Broadcom and, and, and everybody. I mean, frankly, Intel and AMD are probably having talks about an acquisition. But those talks always come to nothing. That's just how it works in the financial field. What I think is going on here, and uh, you know, let me here, let me put my conspiracy hat on. What I think is going on here is Xilinx hit a couple of potholes. They need to think about maybe an acquisition or maybe juicing their stock price. And some insider leaked that they were maybe going to get bought by AMD. Why AMD? Because they spun the wheel, and AMD had the was the the big bucks company that uh, that they picked. Um, you know, it could have just as easily been rumored of, uh, you know, Qualcomm or, you know, NVIDIA or Intel or anybody, you know, um, this, this deal's not, this is a nothing burger. This isn't even news. This is, this is stock market manipulation, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that. And, and it's funny when you start throwing around numbers like that, typically we get a, a little bit of a hint. I mean, we had heard that, it, that SoftBank was shopping arm to whoever could buy it. Of course, the list was really short for companies that could afford to pony up that much money or stock. And so like we kind of when the announcement was made, we're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. We kind of knew this for this to just literally come flying out of nowhere. And of course, you know, big tags of it being rumored and potential and all that other stuff. This smacks of, hey, Bill, go talk to your friend, the reporter over here at the register and float this story. And if we get some traction. It'll juice the stock price, and then we can come out and say, "Oh, there's no, there's no truth to that rumor." And then AMD is kind of coming out and going, "Crap, we have to issue a denial about this." Well, all right, fine. So yeah, I kind of feel like this is this is Xilinx maybe trying to make up a little bit for some of that lost revenue from Huawei, or even seeing if they have any friends who are willing to stand up on their behalf, maybe in a, in a government somewhere, and say, "We can't possibly lose Xilinx to uh, to another American company." And then now they know where, which side their bread's buttered on. So they know where to kind of attack certain markets, knowing they have a, maybe they have a friend that's willing to give them a little bit of a rub here and there. It's good to see that you have a conspiracy hat as well, Tom. Yeah, mine is a, is a little bit of a houndstooth, uh, maybe a trilby, perhaps. It's, yeah, mine's a, a deer stalker. Oh, well, very nice. Uh, hopefully it goes well with a magnifying glass and a, and a nice pipe. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that should just about do it for to this week's episode of The Rundown. We want to thank you all very much for tuning in. Um, remember that The Rundown is live every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern Time on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gestaltitvideo. Um, if you are not tuned in there, that means you're probably watching this on our Facebook page, and we really appreciate you watching it. Uh, after we have published everything, remember to leave us a like and head over to gestaltit.com for more great content. Uh, Steven and I have been super busy publishing lots of stuff. Uh, Gestalt IT Rundown, uh, Gestalt IT Checksum, uh, the conversation series where uh, sometimes I pick some interesting topics and I kind of wax intellectual about them. Um, but if you're one of those people that maybe doesn't want to tune in live and, and would rather get your feed through the audio, remember that we do have a podcast feed through Anchor FM. Um, if you are listening to this on iTunes, please rate and subscribe and, and leave us a review. You know, do you really enjoy listening to uh, two of the Gestalt IT family kind of, you know, make some fun of the news? Uh, if you do, great. And hopefully some other people can find it and, and get some use out of it. But, uh, you know, we're always looking for new listeners and we're always looking for topic ideas. So if you see a news story that pops up that you want to see us cover on the rundown, tweet at Networking Nerd or at S. Foskett and we'll see that. And uh, we might add it to the show notes for next week. You never know. 
Um, Stephen, if people want to find out more about some of the stuff that you're doing, where is the best place to find that? Well, um, I haven't written a lot lately because I've been super busy with Tech Field Day. But if you find, if you want to head over to gestaltit.com, you can catch some stuff there. And of course, you can always catch me on Twitter at sfoskett. Um, I also like to mention that next week is Security Field Day. So if you've loved the security coverage of this, uh, tune in on Wednesday um, for some live presentations uh, from Cisco and discussions with the security community, the enterprise security community. Maybe they'll hit on some of the things that we've talked about the, uh, today. And um, if you're a fan of the rundown and you don't like Tom, you're in luck because next week it's not going to be Tom because he's going to, of course, be running Security Field Day. So tune in at 1230 and you'll find me and uh, Mr. Max Mortellaro hosting the rundown. Absolutely. And thank you very much for picking that up, Stephen. Of course, you know, once you get knee deep into security, there's no coming back. So we're going to be having some great discussions and I'm sure you guys will be having great discussions here, too. Um, but for now, for this episode of The Rundown, we're going to go ahead and call it a day. Uh, remember to, uh, you know, share this episode with your friends and uh, show them the show notes. And uh, yeah, always remember that you need to wear a mask and uh, try to be a little bit safe out there. We've got less than three months to go in this year. If we can stick it out through 2020, I hear there's cake waiting in 2021. So for myself, for Stephen Foskett and the rest of our Gestalt IT family, thank you very much for tuning in. And of course, we wish you all a very super sparkly day. Bye-bye now.